The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Hello, and welcome to another quarantined episode of Civil Politics. Or I shouldn't say another. This is our first one uh, from our various respective secure locations in undisclosed uh, coordinates. Uh, but welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm uh, working tonight with Sue Timberlake. Hey, Sue. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're trying to do the show remotely. Uh, obviously. Uh, uh, unless you've truly been living in isolation in a cave for the past couple of weeks, you uh, know all about the uh, COVID-19 and the need to uh, socially distance and quarantine and whatnot. Uh, it's uh, in some ways tailor-made for people like us, but it's still a, a difficult burden and a, a great challenge for our society. Uh, and part of that uh, is reflected in the fact that even if uh, I were actually still out in Northampton. Uh, I'm not. I'm in Andover with my mom because that's where I happened to be when it when the when the balloon went up. But um, uh, the Valley Free Radio, uh, the building in which Valley Free Radio has its st- studios, is currently closed, uh, and access to the station is uh, limited. We're trying to do our bit to help keep this uh, uh, virus from spreading and causing more damage. Uh, Though we do plan to keep uh, making new shows and recording PSAs and everything else that we're doing, uh, trying to uh, keep the the free speech on the air even in these difficult times. So, and to that end, we do still love to hear from you guys. Uh, You can email us at uh, Civil Politics Radio at valleyfreeradio.org. Tweet at us at Civil Politics FM. And Facebook.com slash Civil Politics Radio is our community there. Feel free to leave comments. Uh, our website, civilpoliticsradio.com, is still up and running, last I checked. And it has uh, recordings of previous episodes of the show, supplemental episodes, and uh, links to things we talk about. So, uh, yeah, Sue, you were actually just giving me a bit of local news uh, just as we were getting ready to record here. Two hours ago, uh, Mayor Narkowitz announced that he's positive for the coronavirus. Wow. So, yeah, that's a little close to home. Yes. Well, uh, I I hope the mayor recovers uh, quickly. Uh, We've enjoyed having him on the show a couple of times, and... Uh, now I really hope he'll be able to come back. <laughs> yeah, I hope he doesn't arrive. I think they're saying at this point that guys are having a little tougher job with the virus than women are. So that's a troubling statistic that's popped out. Well, starting to re- we don't know why exactly, but... Well, you know, it's because men are inherently bigger blowhards than women. So, of course, a lung problem is going to be... Uh, yeah. <laughs> My feeling is that men actually have a better immune system, and so what gets people is the overwhelming response of your immune system—a cytokine, cytokine, cytokine storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, so that's, that's theories. So 
but they that's don't really why know. the 1918 uh, flu epidemic uh, that people often call the Spanish flu, even though it apparently started in Kansas, uh, uh, that's why it killed a lot of young people, uh, which was a great deviation from the norm with flu because it was uh, it was so uh, uh, novel. It was causing these uh, over overreactions from from people's young and healthy immune systems. So, yeah. Supposedly, he felt bad this past Monday. He's 53, and he's isolating at home. So our mm. best wishes to him and his family where, you know, keep our fingers crossed that he has a very mild case. Let's hope so. Yeah. I haven't heard about any other uh, uh, po- political leaders uh, coming down with it yet, uh, other than Rand Paul. And I guess a few people in the Senate are being careful because they might have it, too. Well, can you believe he was waiting for his test and he went to the gym and used the touchpad at the gym in the Senate and he had lunch with everybody and he never mentioned it to a soul? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing about that that I genuinely find astonishing. He's He's a a medical doctor. (laughs) I mean, yes, his specialty specialty is ophthalmology. But this is a man who went through medical school. You know, he must have studied at a graduate level uh, epidemiology. Like that's just that's part of what you have to do. So, yeah, I'm sure it's been a few years and it's not his primary focus, but he has to understand uh, at least as well as any lay person, if not better, just how irresponsible that is. Oh, he should. He should. Yeah. Well, Honestly, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Always, I, you faded out there, Sue. Sorry. Could you go go ahead? Sorry. Um, I have uh, my phone is plugged in, so hopefully my battery won't fade because my power is on. Um, so he's a libertarian, and I know you always like to pick on libertarians, but you know maybe he didn't care about anybody else. I, I shouldn't think he 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 did. Uh, you know the the. Uh, I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's a bit like. The apple not falling far from the tree. Uh, there was a fellow who was uh, working on his father's congressional campaign, who got cancer, and he was, uh, you know, not covered. Uh, he was not uh, an insured employee of of, Rand, of Ron Paul's campaign, and yeah, you know, it 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 wound up killing him because he couldn't get the care he needed. Hmm. So. So well, awesome. interesting. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm I'm watching the good deeds of people. We probably will do that more at the end. But, you know, just the neighborhood groups and the folks that are walking around waving and staying away. But, you know, shouting from 20 feet away, how are you? I mean, I just really like it. It's like a big blizzard. You know, people are like that in a blizzard. <laughs> yes. So I'm enjoying my neighbors. Yes. It's like, I would come over and shake hands, but I don't want to have to wade through another, you know, 20 feet of two foot deep snow. So, hi. (laughs) Hope you're doing okay. Yeah. And you come home and snow blows your driveway, you know, that kind of thing. That's that's how people are behaving, which is great here in Mass. So, yeah. Well, and uh, we had heavy snow here earlier in the week. Did you guys get snow out in Western Mass or? Early in the week. Inches. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight inches. Yeah, and yeah. it was very small, and then it rained on it, so it kind of scrumped it down. But, yeah. <laughs> well, naturally. 
and and I shelled a little bit of it, but then the sun taking the rest of it. Thank goodness. So, uh, yeah, what a week. Massachusetts. Yes. Oh, the shutdowns, and I mean, we haven't gotten into most of it. It's sort of amazing what's going on at the moment for people who, you know, I mean, I remember polio just barely. My older brother couldn't go to the pool because you know there was a huge scare one of those summers in the 50s in the early 50s so you know it's sort of i don't really remember so mm. yeah polio was has never been a thing in my life because i was vaccinated as a child yeah, uh, yeah. smallpox is another one well, of course that yeah. was eradicated when i when i was alive but when i was quite young so there was a yeah. um, go ahead smallpox when I was little. So, but yeah, the SARS virus was kind of like this because it was such a tough respiratory disease, but it didn't spread easily. They actually, you know, it didn't, this one spreads one to three, which is, that's exponential. So. Yeah. Well, if, if, if one does not take steps, yes. So uh, just, there was a, uh, a fellow who um, writes for the Atlantic named Adam Serwer, and he, um, I heard him interviewed uh, on the uh, Deconstructed podcast by Mehdi Hassan, and he had a, a, a very poignant observation uh, that made me very grateful for, for my current situation being here at my mom's house, because he pointed out that, you know, even if you live close to your parents, the idea is like, keep your distance from people, don't mingle, don't go out and maintain distance from people you're not around all the time, even if you do go and see them. So, you know, even if you can go and visit your parents or your parents can come visit you, uh, you still can't go, hey, mom, and give her a big hug because, you know, if you've picked it up since the last time you saw her, you could give it to your mom or vice versa. Yeah. I've uh, heard of people changing their clothes when they come home if they live with an elderly parent or grandparent. Yeah. You know, they wash they wash them so that yeah. they don't. And so, Mr. Serwer made. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it. They've shown now the virus on a cruise ship can last 17 days. You know, if it's a big enough little piece of whatever it is and it's on the right surface, up to 17 days. That's pretty intense. They were saying three. Yeah. But they've shown that it can be happy in some climates that we haven't accounted for. Yeah. Depending on humidity and temperature. Yeah. Well, so, uh, all right, well, we'll, we'll move on. Um, so, uh, what do you think of the, uh, uh, big bill that's, uh, trying to make its way through Congress right now? Oh, I, I think this is, this is totally a conspiracy theory. I think Elizabeth Warren wrote it. It has all her fingerprints. Really? You followed her. Yeah. Yes. Stop with paying off the big companies. Give the money to the people that were dislocated outright. Yeah. You know, even more than Yang, just sort of how does, how does the economy really work? So I think we haven't heard boo from her. I saw her on the front of some magazine, but we haven't heard anything from her on the, any of the media. I think she's been working on the bill. And I thought Schumer started to give her credit at some point, but he just kind of took it for himself. Well, it's it's but Chuck I, Schumer. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. Yeah, but I think because it's so differently um, characterized than 
So it, you know, it's just, it's, it has her fingerprints all over it from my perspective. So, which is a good um, thing. You know, I haven't seen, uh, the, the latest terms. Uh, I, like, I, I know that it's going to in- include, uh, like expanded unemployment insurance. And I think even for people who, you know, are technically, you know, independent contractors doing the whole gig economy thing. Um, yeah, that's a foreign thing. To include yeah. them. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, that's not a fact. That's an opinion. Uh, okay. Yeah. You you faded out for a sec there. What's a fact? Um, that I said to include people that are um, self-employed gig gig economy folks. That's I think that's a classic Elizabeth Warren position. But it's yeah. not. I'm saying I don't know that that's a fact. I just that's my feeling having you know read her biography and followed her pretty closely so oh yeah well i gotta say you know i hope you're right because i have much more confidence in elizabeth warren's ability to come up with well dare i say a plan <laughs> you know than almost anybody else's in congress um, well, the, the dollar amounts 1200 per adult um 500 for child adding 600 dollars to the unemployment check yeah. really helps people that are at the low end you know, yes. because if you're hardly making anything and you only get two thirds of it when you get unemployment, you know that's that's a huge hole if you're already on the razor's edge. So yeah, right. I I just think that she had her way with the bill, and that's great. I really, I really like that. And yeah, it's two point two trillion. Yeah, the I do think that twelve hundred dollars is kind of a measly one-time payment, honestly. But I think it's also. Did they actually manage to include, you know, like uh, uh, freezing rent and loan payments yes. and so forth? I I thought they did. It, well, maybe it depends whether they're federal. They're federally. I think I think they did all the federal stuff because the SBA Small Business Association is going to give out small business loans through your local banks. So instead of applying through the SBA, you actually go to, you know, I don't know the banks here in the area that would be an SBA bank, but say, let's say Florence was, I don't know if they are or not. You yeah. would go there and apply and they could give you bridge money before it was even finished being applied for. So that's, it's very quick, hmm. but you know, it hasn't passed the house yet. It's going to pass tomorrow. They think. So. Yeah. The house has a, has a problem because they've all gone home. Yeah. And, they have to come back. well, there, there's problems with them coming back, and I don't. Are, are they actually coming back? I thought they were trying to see if they could they work. Or, go ahead. Yeah, they tried to, and Nancy Pelosi on C-SPAN today said that they she she hedged around it, but they couldn't get unanimous consent. Right. Which means someone could introduce it. They could say if it's unanimous consent, we all vote for it. They wouldn't have to come back, but they couldn't right. get unanimous consent. Somebody who should be shot. Um, bollocks that up so they're all coming back tomorrow and they just need enough and it's going to be bipartisan but they i forget how many they need to come back yeah. but they're going to come back tomorrow so yeah that was kind of a well it's like the the um, no, i'm so uh, sorry so you gonna, broke up for a moment there could you could you repeat that bit about they're coming back and then what so they're coming back tomorrow they're hoping that they're not going to bring everybody back because they can't some people in quarantine themselves yep. for Exposure, not for positive um, coronavirus, but so they're going to bring back who they can, and they need to um, uh, 
uh, have a vote, and they said it's going to be very, very bipartisan. I'm sure. So, yeah, and no. um, go ahead. So I, I think they're they're doing a pretty good job, and Trump said he's going to sign it the second it it hits leaves the house. So, oh yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, and then he's going to take credit for the whole thing. Um, yeah, so the, the 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 House of Representatives, uh, you know, on the one hand, I this is clearly a, a uh, uh, geez, we should have thought of this before. What to do if we have to like leave Washington and and can't actually or or it's uh, really unwise to all meet in person on the floor of the House of Representatives. Like I get how that's a, a, a something that just people didn't really think about. Um, well, I think the but, you know, the, the House is supposed to assemble in the House. I mean, that I that's 18th century thinking. But I think there's something very sensible about saying, no, we're all going to actually meet in the same place. You know, yeah. uh, it, I mean, among other things, given how uh, sophisticated uh, online fraud is becoming, you know, just the idea of like, okay, uh, getting a secure video link that we can really trust to allow people to vote from wherever is—I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm showing my paranoia and ignorance, but it just seems to me that uh, there are uh, things to worry about with that. Well, you know, I used to be a town meeting member in a small town, yeah, and uh, for. I was a town meeting member for a long time in a representative town meeting. And we had some really hot issues about the budget. And so all the town meeting members would sit in the front of the auditorium. And then the back rows, they let, you know, people fill in who wanted to watch. Yeah. So we came to for the budget and there was a lot of contention over the money for the fire department. Right. And all the firemen were sitting in the back of the auditorium. And when we went to vote from behind us, we heard all these eyes from people who weren't town meeting members. So of course we had to have a roll call vote, but you know, yeah, there's things people can do in every scenario and they're so ingenious, but I thought that one was really brazen because we all could hear them. Yeah. <laughs> they like, were all trying to vote. <laughs> we know what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, uh, we're going to need to to think about this more for, Next time, you know, assuming yeah. we all survive for there to be a next time, but you know, we well, definitely optimistic that we'll survive. At least us women will. Sorry, yeah. Mike. That's okay. It, it's yeah. I've had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just don't talk about the stock market, though. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I thought it was popping up today, as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, not that. Yeah, it's not, not back a fair amount. So not that that's the most yeah. important thing, frankly, but. It's pretty unstable. That's sort of, I guess, the message in that. Because, you know, the bill passes, it goes wild. The bill doesn't pass. It takes a nosedive. It's it's like following every blow by blow. You know, it's a little unstable, the stock market at the moment. So. Oh, yeah. My well, it's, it's always a... Uh, honestly, it's, it's like a... It's like a flock of frightened birds or maybe sheep i don't know but it's it's a bunch of big dumb animals all sort of moving in in lockstep or you know school of fish or whatever you however you want to put it and uh so 
once a few of them start running, then everybody's like, hey, Steve's running. Why is Steve running? I don't know, but I'm running too. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I don't want to get left behind. <laughs> That'll be the last one. Well, they say it's, it's 50% of, they've done a lot of mob studies, and when it hits 50%, it's sort of like the whole mob panics. Yeah. Sort of interesting. You know, they've done it in all sorts of animals, but yeah, yeah. what a what a week for for all of that. But I guess, I guess. So it's certainly worth noting that the uh, stock market is, it is only ever the tail of the economy. It's never the dog. Uh, it's something that, um, you know, the, the, the rich and powerful literally invest in as a way to maintain their wealth and power. So it gets disproportional attention. But, um, you know, especially when it comes to like an indicator like the Dow Jones, which is uh, uh, something I'm not related to, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> it's just as an indicator, it is pretty much meaningless. It, it is really unhelpful in determining how the market works or how it's actually doing. It's, it's, it's just that it's been around for over a hundred years. So now it's the one everybody, you know, remembers because it's been around for a hundred years. Well, and it's, it's, it's about as, it's about as meaningful to ordinary people as hearing about what the big box office returns are from Hollywood movies. I mean, you know, I was mildly like, Oh, well, Avengers Endgame made over a billion dollars. Okay. But you know, I like, just hearing like what movies made what money over the course of every week, you know, who cares? It's not my money. Well, it is the same kind of thing. But, um, you know, Standard Poor, NASDAQ, you know, all of those have been doing very similar things. And I think. Oh, yeah. Just, just less extreme. Average today was, I think it was back up to 22,000 when I looked at it earlier today. And it had been down to, hadn't been down to 19, and it, it started at 29,000. Um, you know, three weeks ago. So it's lost a third. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, uh, NASDAQ, those have all done a very similar thing. So, yeah. At least well, at, er, like about a week ago, uh, it, the, the, the stock market had basically fallen enough that all of the uh, uh, gains that had come since Donald Trump took office were gone, which with another president in different circumstances, I, I honestly would just shrug about because it it's like, whatever, you know, the president doesn't control the stock market. This isn't, you know, it's 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 certainly not his fault uh, if things go badly, just like it's probably not really, you know, to his credit if things go OK. But uh, our 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 dear leader uh, constantly fixates on the stock market and touts it as a measure of his success. And which is what a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a big... Uh, sorry, there was more static there. Could you speak again? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forget that we're not in the studio. Um, yeah. So I assume that it's fun to watch him have a panic attack, although it's un, it's it's so important because it drives a lot of other things, too. So. Yeah. It's so hard to tell when he's, when he's truly having a panic attack because he just does not speak coherently. Hmm. Well, unemployment is way up too. Um, four yeah. times former record this week in filings for the country. 
um, and um, I think, um, is it Massachusetts? I think this is a Massachusetts number, so forgive me. 147,000 people filed in one week, which is 4.2% of the workforce in Massachusetts. That's this past week in Mass. So the unemployment is going to be really high. And those folks, um, you know, part of that bill we were talking about has the extra $600 a week in it. So that's yeah. that'll be good for people that are unemployed. So it'll make up for some of the some of the adventure. Again, I, I attribute that to Elizabeth Warren or... You know, maybe she's a mentor to other people in the Senate, but I, and I think, didn't the House create its own bill and they were going to rush that out if the Senate stalled? And I think they adopted some of the stuff from the House bill into the Senate bill. So I may have that wrong. I, I hope so. Fun- the, the, the House bill only was up like $100 billion. And, you know, that that didn't seem so, it that that didn't seem completely inadequate two weeks ago, but it definitely is now, so. Uh, yes, yeah. 2.2 million, right, I think. So. Uh, oh, you mean- uh, actually, 3.3 million, according to our producer. So, um, yes, yeah, so unemployment claims are way up, and of course they are. You know, people yeah. aren't working. People can't go to their jobs in many, many cases. And, yeah, I've, I've and, and, and if, even if they are, in theory, supposed to go to their jobs, Unless it's something that actually is meaningful, like like the people working at the supermarket, and thank God for them, uh, you know, people working at a supermarket or a hospital or something else that's like providing immediate uh, necessary support for people, you know, or a pharmacy or whatever, then yeah, yeah, people should stay home. And I've certainly uh, read. Uh, about plenty of, I, I've read accounts of people saying like, yeah, you know, I work at a call center and the boss still expects us to come in. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, also I, the U S economy has changed a lot. So like, uh, oh, and again, about only 30% of our workforce has a job that you can do from home. So, yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting what the medical field is trying to do over the phone now. You know, no yes. more exams. <laughs> oh, well, that is let me hear, one of the. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, let me hear you cough, but they can't do the rest of the exam. But the feds have moved all the regs around that, so the docs will actually get paid for those as if they were in face-to-face exams, which is interesting. Which yeah. will and getting a thirty percent premium. I think it's thirty percent, maybe twenty percent, for a Medicare patient who, um, if they're treating them for COVID. They're getting a twenty percent premium, so that because they're in the ICU, it's intense. So yeah. they're giving a so that the bill has tons of stuff in it. It's I'm sure that we'll all be reading it for months. So yeah, it, I, I I need to look through it in more detail. But one of the things I think that's particularly noteworthy coming out of this crisis is the way in which so many things. Uh, that were, eh, you know, like, oh, that's not easy or that's not possible or whatever. Now, suddenly you're like, yeah, well, you know, we can do that because we need to. Um, I mean, like, uh, like people I follow, there are some people, I follow quite a number of people on on the Twitters, but uh, a number of them are people with various disabilities. And so some of them are actually, you know, staying at home and getting uh, SSDI and so forth. But others are just, you know, working as freelancers or whatever, and they're 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 doing various things. 
Um, and so many of them are like, oh, okay, so being told that I can't work from home, that was something I heard at all kinds of jobs, uh, that, yeah. you know, but this job isn't something that can be done from home, or working from home is something that only senior employees get to do. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, no, you can work from home. And, yep. and they're, they're pointing out like, yes, yeah, so as soon as people who aren't chronically disabled have to do this, so as soon as their lives are in danger, then sure, fine, everything's possible. Did you say hypocrisy? I would, yeah, maybe maybe hypocrisy, maybe just, you know, they're, they're saying it, it's, they're, they're uh, suggesting, and I think accurately, that it's, you know, just prejudice against disabled people. And it's like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, like not really getting that uh, disabled people, uh, that there are lots of kinds of disabilities and, and uh, people can be genuinely impaired in some way that is not immediately evident and actually do need accommodations and workarounds. And, uh, you know, when you, uh, refusing to do so because you just don't want to, and it'll be a hassle for you is just being a jerk, <laughs> not being a, a, a tough boss or a responsible manager or whatever. As we're now seeing, so. Well, two quick things. I, I think, I don't know if we're close to our break here or not, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I think so. An old, an old song I remember, I think I've got the words right, What a Difference a Plague Makes or something like that. It's a song I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> and yeah. the other is that whoever put it in the bill, they excluded Trump's businesses from getting money. Because, you know, during the hurricanes, uh, he got tons of money for businesses that weren't hit by anything so they actually excluded him in writing and they all signed off on it in the senate so none of his businesses or his family's businesses can get make benefit from this bill oh really yeah he must really pissed. really whoever so put that pissed. in you know, they've got big brass ones for sure uh uh well that does sound like a, uh, something that they'd say, oh, yeah, no, Liz, you, you want to put that in? Well, you know, I mean, we've got to get this bill through so we can't fight every last thing. That's the kind yeah. of thing I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if it means that he won't sign it when he hears about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think he has the line item veto, so I think he's in trouble. If it well, he doesn't out. have a line item veto, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I one thing uh, – so one last thing before we take a break, but just uh, do you know uh, what the, the, the Democrats have been fighting over this bill for uh, about a week now uh, with the Republicans because the Republicans yeah. wanted to create, you know, a half billion dollar fund to allow uh, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin to uh, pretty much at his sole discretion make, quote unquote, loans to businesses uh and not have to tell anybody what they were for six months. Yeah, that's, so, that's how the is written, just like that. Yeah, no, I'm they. I'm sorry. What was what was just like that? Mark the troubled asset relief. The second, oh, you know tarp. how we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, there were yes. two bills. Yeah, the, the second one was the one that was yeah. Um. So yeah, I think the Democrats single-handedly get that out of the bill. So. Well, I know that there is still half a trillion dollar fund for uh, uh, bailouts, but I don't, I don't know if it's 
similarly uh, unregulated and discretionary mm -hmm. by, by the Treasury Secretary. Oh, you didn't hear this. They got the language in. There's an oversight board and an inspector general who's going to sit right in the treasurer's office and review everything he does. Excellent. So. Well, good job by the Senate, and I hope it gets through the House and gets signed shortly. So, uh, so uh, we're going to take a short break right now, play PSAs, promos, station IDs, and other things to keep the FCC happy, because even in the pandemic, the FCC never sleeps. But then we'll be right back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hands can do incredible things. This is the sound of two hands helping to save a life. It's called Hands Only CPR, and it's recommended by the American Heart Association. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life. For more information on this latest method of CPR, visit handsonlycpr.org today. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Okay, uh, and we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow, and that's still uh, Sue Timberlake joining me through the series of tubes that has become all of our lives and ways of interacting with our fellow human beings. <clears throat> and, um, uh, well, we're still going to be talking about our uh, COVID crisis here. I wanted to take a moment. Uh, we had a listener question. Uh, we, of course, didn't do a show last week because we were scrambling and trying to figure out how to how to do this, so we had to repeat. Uh, but uh, uh, someone listened to that repeat of our show from the... And they asked us, uh, in reference to the discussion we were having about, uh, I believe it was about the debate between uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and sort of the way the moderators and people always keep asking, how are we going to pay for Medicare for all, Bernie? Huh? Huh? It's such a great idea. How are we going to pay for it? And uh, yeah, and they all sound just like that. Just you know, because I'm fair and balanced. Um, and, and, but and 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 uh, how come the commenters uh, never ask how are we going to pay for another invasion of Iraq or if we're going to go to war with Iran or some other 
stupid and horrible thing we, we might might be doing. Um, and I, uh, you know, as a good card-carrying lefty, of course, agree with those questions and those sentiments. But have, have you personally bought any war bonds, Michael? Not recently. No. <laughs> have we? Have we been? Have we been selling any specifically war bonds, or is that just every government bond these days? Sorry, I was just being yeah. Republican. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm 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 with you. Uh, you know uh, those. Rita Hayworth makes it look awfully appealing to buy some war bonds, so I've been thinking about it. <laughs> now you're really getting my vintage. <laughs> <clears throat> so, as, as an aside. Uh, uh, I, because I've been spending a lot of time with my mom, I finally watched, uh, the movie Gone with the Wind with her, uh, the other day. Cause you know, it's a classic and she likes it and I said, all right, I'll see it. And it was, uh, oh man, there's just so much about it that was painful, but holy crap, Clark Gable's an amazing performer. Like I can see why he was a movie star. He's just yep. really extraordinary. Yep. His presence and charisma. Anyway, so that was super important. I'm glad I mentioned it on civil politics. <laughs> Where have they all gone? All our heroes and stars. Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, I, we got new heroes and new stars. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I think that's especially important to think about how uh, you know Medicare for all. How are we going to pay for it? Uh, given that uh, we've managed to throw together a a relief package that's worth more than $2 trillion. Um, and this is all going on the national credit card. You know, we haven't oh, specifically figured out a revenue stream or cut other expenses. And to, to be clear, I think that's good. I don't think there's any particular reason why we have to uh, come up with, a, with offsets or increased revenue specifically to deal with this money in a crisis. This is, this is one of the reasons why you borrow money. And given how low uh, lending rates are around the world, this is the best possible time to borrow money, at least financially or fiscally, however you want to put it, because it, it's never going to be cheaper to borrow money. Well, you know, I'm going to disagree with you, but um, let me just start by saying, are you a Keynesian um, economist that it's OK to run up a big deficit for programs I, like this? I am and a... I think I understand. I think if I understand what you're saying the way you mean it, <laughs> you know, obviously it's like I thought I was a Keynesian. No, you're not. You're actually something else because you don't understand what that term means. You know, which maybe I don't understand what that term means. <clears throat> but I, no, no, no. I, so I just I'm answering you. I just I I think I'm a Keynesian in that I think deficit spending can be fine. Uh, you know, when it's like, well, we have a national crisis, so we're just got to do it, or you know, we're going to borrow money because we're going to be spending it on, you know, a new solar powered uh, power grid infrastructure bill. So, yes, borrow that money because it will pay itself back. Yeah, it's an investment. Well, and, and we don't borrow money a lot of times. I mean, we do borrow money. But, um, you know, if you think that the deficits don't matter, which I do think they matter. But if you think they don't matter, if do we can just print and if we can just print money because we're a reserve currency, you know, that's not really the same as as borrowing. It's actually diluting the value so that, you know, we, we come out ahead because we have the reserve currency. So I think we're printing a lot of money is actually what we're doing. I could I be suppose, wrong, but I think we're doing. 
No, yeah, I, I guess you're right because I don't think we've issued bonds. I think the I think the this bill just authorizes the Federal Reserve to 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 Spend create two point two trillion dollars and shove it out there, yeah. um, which is something we absolutely need to do because other economic activity is dropping drastically. You know, uh, uh, so I, I made a snide comment earlier about uh, uh, you know people who care about box office receipts and whatever, you know, like you're not in the movie business. What do you care? Uh, but to be fair, it is worth noting that I believe uh, last week the uh, total box office receipts in the United States were zero. Oh, my God. <laughs> not one dollar because the movie theaters are all closed. And I think that's the first time that's ever happened since people started totaling up what box office receipts were. I could be wrong, but. <clears throat> that was my understanding. And that's, you know, like that, that's a noteworthy thing. I mean, people go out and, and see movies because going to see movies is fun. But it's not a safe yeah. thing to do right now. Since we didn't have, you know, before the talkies when we had the silent movies. So before movies, the box office was zero. True enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Since we started having movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were the, uh, yeah, the, I, I got to tell you, the movie box office in, you know, uh, Shakespeare's time was also zero. And just, you know, and you'd think they had Shakespeare writing, writing scripts for him. You'd think they would be good, but no. Yeah, the, the plays made a fair amount of money, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, um, you know, go ahead. We're talking about money, and I was going to digress sort of in the same vein, but to talk about the testing fiasco that we're in. Oh, and uh, sort of. Well, can you put a pin on that for one sec? Because I just want to want to just say, like, uh, one of the other sort of digs, uh, one group of people who are opposed to Medicare for all are the libertarian types who are like, you know, oh, it's a big government program, and you know, it's it's doing everybody, you know, we should let markets handle things like that and whatnot. And just uh, uh, given how uh, we need everybody who. Uh, might be sick to stay home, you know, like, oh, if you think you're, you might have the virus, stay home and don't spread it to people. Don't go to work. But also, oh yes, you're really sick. You need medical treatment. Go to the hospital, call a doctor, you know, get, start getting medical care. Uh, you know, a lot of people aren't going to do that if they're like, well, I'm not insured. I can't be covered by this. You know, like I've, I've got to tough it out because I can't afford a $50,000 medical bill. Um, and, and, you know, as, uh, uh, Congresswoman Katie Porter from California, uh, got the head of the CDC to, to say, yes, the CDC can authorize payment for this. And, and we hereby do so, uh, which I think we talked about two weeks ago. Um, you know, but that's, that's the same kind of idea. That's, that's socialized medicine. That's, that's what Medicare for all is supposed to be. Like if you're an American and you're sick, we'll cover you. And, and this is why we need that. You know, this is why it's not just a morally good idea. It's also uh, a, hey, you know what's going to help keep people from dying? If people who are sick can go see a doctor when they need to. So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say I differentiate between socialized medicine and single payer because socialized medicine is where the doctors are on salary. And I like it when people do more, they get paid more. So our hospitals, you know, 
because sometimes uh, in my belief system, when people are just given a salary, the output isn't quite as exciting as when you give them a bonus or you give them a, um, you know, if you see more patients like at the VA, you get more money. Part of the problem with the VA right now is that a lot of the docs don't see very many patients a day. And if you see the statistics, it's it's great for the patient because they see them for an hour or whatever they see them for, but there isn't very much throughput. And that's really a tough system to maintain. So I, I, like I said, I differentiate between like an HMO, like the old Harvard plan where the docs were actually employees and, and owned by the insurance company versus single payer where, you know, people that hustle and do things get more money. And I'm, you know, cause I'm a capitalist. I like that, but I don't, well, I, thought, I don't I thought single payer yeah. was sort of a flavor of, of the larger category, socialized medicine. It is possible uh, that I misunderstood what the terms mean. <laughs> well, well, I think people use them differently, so that's why I was just explaining yeah, yeah. that. No, I don't. I don't like um, doctors I, as employees. I, I am with you one hundred percent that single payer is absolutely like a, a better system and a good idea. And I don't know. I might be with you on on the let's not have the government own all of healthcare at all doctors be employees of the government. Uh, I mean, that's what they do in the UK and the UK's healthcare system, you know, isn't a total disaster. But on the other hand, I, you know, it's, it's a bit, a bit like the same way that I, um, <clears throat> I like the idea of a universal basic income as like a concept that like, oh, it's going to empower everybody and share the wealth and it, it will ha have some real benefits. But, uh, exactly how we're going to do it and, you know, what's going to pay for it. And, uh, you know, are there other consequences that I don't immediately see that will make it bad? So, you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea of a universal basic income, but I'm not sure it's, it's, it's something that is actually, you know, a good policy or, you know, uh, how we want to roll it out. That being said, we're basically talking about doing something like a universal basic income for the duration of this emergency, as yes, uh, France and Denmark and a number of other nations are. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the 1200 is almost Andrew Yang's number, depending how long it goes on for. Yeah. So we're going to give it to everybody, every adult, 500 to every child. So we're going to do UBI. We're going to, believe it or not, that's what this is, is UBI. Yeah. Well, we I don't, get, I'm for it. So, and, and, I, and I do like um, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have been saying, you know, just keep sending checks out to people. And if you're worried about the fairness of it, then uh, put a cap on it and, and or or whatever. And then and then uh, have tax it back from from the rich people at the, on the back end. And, you know, that seems reasonable to me. Anyway, I'm sorry. You go ahead. I want to go back to Canada because Canada is a single payer with all the docs are self-employed. Yes. So that's 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 a different model, and it seems to you know it works well enough, I guess. Um, so uh, the other thing I was going to say is everybody's been saying we're doing this out of an abundance of caution. You've probably heard that all week or the last yep. three weeks. You know, we're going to do this out of an abundance. So somebody pointed out on the news the other day. Guess whose initials are abundance of caution? AOC. <laughs> <laughs> I just it was just a little side note one of the talk talking heads. I was like, oh, that's very funny. Yeah. That's anyway. nice. Yeah. So um, so and you wanted to talk about testing, and this certainly connects to the whole thing because uh, we need more tests and we don't have them. 
and also yep. you know who's going to administer the test and who's going to uh, process them and who's going to pay for them, which all again connects to the whole idea of Medicare for all and accessibility. So, uh, take it away, Sue. <laughs> Well, I was, you know, it, I've been watching this testing fiasco and, you know, when Trump was first saying that there were plenty of tests out there and anybody that wanted to test could get a test, he was actually referring to the collection kit. He wasn't referring to the ability to get the result, you know, and all the stuff that goes into that. So, you know, he just, he, he didn't understand what they were telling them. And he also likes to inflate things. But I wanted to sort of point that out because actually now there are shortages in every part of the testing workflow you know yeah the collection kit because not only is it a swab but it's actually some media that you can transport viruses on and there's a shortage of that media this particular kind of virus i mean it's it's just endless where the shortages are and a lot of the big labs and big hospital chains for example partners they're all standing up their own stuff and the fda relaxed their regs because they were the ones um, FDA and the CDC were saying that you can't use the test until we certify, you know, how accurate and how precise it is. And, you know, it's sort of interesting. So we're going to get a lot of testing very quickly here. And I think, you know, some testing is better than, you know, they're going for perfect tests. And and you really just want to know how many people so you can figure out what to do with the quarantining and the isolation and the distancing and all that. So it's sort of like, I don't know if the people were gone at the CDC or, or they just, it, it's like if you live sometimes in a bureaucracy, you forget what it's like to actually produce a result. And I don't mean that meanly. I just, it's sort of like none of our systems were tested. You know, we never exercised like this. And we're finding all these huge gaps in our planning, notwithstanding, I know you're going to say Trump fired the pandemic people. I know that. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of things that they just never, you know, like how do you deploy uh, uh, 500,000 respirators in a fair way? I mean, it's, it's, you know, governors are competing with the federal government. So in my mind, it's sort of like all the things you really want a government to do in the worst case scenario, we're kind of dropping the ball on. And I think I think some of it's because we got a little complacent or, you know, we have these huge bureaucracies where it was nobody's, nobody was accountable. Exactly. I mean, Fauci looks, Dr. Fauci looks very accountable. Um, Dr. Birch, she looks very accountable, but there's these huge bureaucracies that it was nobody's fault that they weren't putting the tests out. So I just sort of talk about that in the context of who pays for it. Well, we're paying for it now. (laughs) You know, the <clears throat> yes, we we certainly are. Uh, and um, the listener that wrote in was talking about sort of, you know, when you go to fight a war, nobody says where's the money going to come from. And this, you know, this we thought we had all this reserve capacity. A lot of it was expired. You know, we really, we really shaking out the cobwebs here. So. Yeah. Well, and this is um, so. Uh, Back in the 90s, I, I uh, started, I can't remember exactly what got me onto it, but I started reading a lot about the history of medicine and people dealing with infectious diseases and other catastrophes. Uh, and so writers like Lori Garrett in her book, The Coming Plague, which is 25 years old now, uh, have been pointing out that there are weaknesses in our public health system. 
and that if we don't take them seriously, it's eventually going to lead to some disaster. And unfortunately, uh, she was right. And, you know, I, I'm not even trying to sit here and say, yeah, I told you so, because uh, I'm surprised by how ill-prepared we are. <clears throat> and part of that is, of course, uh, yes, the Trump administration has indeed really screwed this up because they didn't um, heed the warnings uh, they were getting from, you know, uh, uh, well, intelligence agencies and so forth saying, oh, there's a this virus and it's bad and this is what's going wrong and this is what can happen to us. Um, you know, uh, th th there's... Uh, there's nothing like ignoring warnings to cause uh, terrible catastrophes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Look at the financial crash in 2008. There were a lot of people. Warren Buffett wanted Obama to be president because he thought he'd be kind to people when we crashed. Right. <laughs> like, you know, Buffett yeah. knew. Uh, Liz Warren was warning us, so yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's also... Um, like, on the one hand, I understand why the, the, you know, CDC and NIH are like, no, no, we have to certify these tests because, you know, uh, private companies do have a history of cutting corners when they're allowed to sort of uh, operate yep. with, you know, by scrutinizing themselves. I mean, look at Boeing and the 737 MAX, you know, <laughs> great example of, of yep. what can go wrong. So. When, but when now we are in the midst of a crisis, and yeah, so you have uh, standards do have to be relaxed, and uh, we you know cross our fingers and hope that uh, you know private companies doing their own testing have it have you know have it together. Um, and this is well, also not it. Too, so you'll know this particular test has you know a three percent false positive, so you test it another way. I mean they, that. You know, that's sort of part of the adventure is that you yeah. you have other things that you go to that are more precise once you at least get a ballpark of how many people in the community have it. So, Well, there was a uh, science reporter I saw uh, interviewed by Rachel Maddow the other day who was talking about how uh, the Chinese government has responded to this crisis. And, you know, the, the Chinese government is, you know, an authoritarian nightmare, but uh, after uh, the SARS crisis, uh, you know, what was it, 10 years ago now? can't remember exactly. But maybe even it, 15. Yeah, well, at least 10 years ago, they had protocols drawn up and that they could easily reactivate <clears throat> so that uh, uh, they can catch people like, oh, you might be sick. Uh, if we, you know, if, if they think you're sick, they send you to a sort of a, like a special sort of staging area clinic for people who are sh running fevers and whatnot. And they do various sort of like uh, simple tests to sort of see like, oh yeah, and you're showing like the signs that maybe, you know, like, oh no, this is just flu. You've got flu right now, go home, you know, kind of thing. So uh, they've got a couple of, of those uh, simple screening tests they can do. And then uh, if, if it looks like you might still have COVID-19, then they give you the COVID-19 test. And they've got the labs there, you know, on site so that within four to six hours, they know, oh, yes, you indeed have it or you don't. And then they admit you for treatment and whatnot. And apparently that's um, uh, really helpful. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, that's something we should be doing, and it's a pity we don't have that set up, but, you know, uh, I, I hope we'll learn that lesson and do a better job of, um, uh, of creating the infrastructure necessary to deal with this uh, the next time it happens. Yeah. You know, they're working right now on a point-of-care test, which is where they could do the um, um, COVID-19 test right at the bedside, you know, and, and know right away. They're, they're getting close. Do you, know how long do you know how long it's going to take them to have a blood test? Because they don't at the moment, right? They're very close. They're very close. Because you do with antibodies, and there's all sorts of existing systems where they're called emit systems, where you, you code up what the antibody is, and then you look for that. And it's, like I said, it's a, it's a two-minute test, but you have to have built it. You had to have right. the virus to the antibodies to build it. So, but that you know when that happens, that'll be a very different world because in the emergency room they can test and see if it's COVID nineteen, and if it is, they put you over here, and if it's not, but you know the U.S. How quickly get, can how quickly can one get results from a blood test like that? Because I honestly don't um, know. A half an hour, an hour, depending. Some of the some of the point of care tests they can actually do right at the bedside in a minute or two, but. I'm assuming yeah. that this could be sent to the lab. So, you know, an hour if it's that. But they don't have it yet. But that's, that's where the U.S. is going. You know, the U.S. is kind of jump-starting that yeah. process. Yeah, because the, these, uh, the nasal swab tests they're currently doing, those are, uh, those don't, you know, if, if, if you had COVID-19 today and they tested you a month from now, it wouldn't. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Right. You would have nothing. You'd show no, yeah, exactly. Right. So that you had it now would not be something they could track. But a blood test could tell them, oh, yes, you had it. Yeah. Yeah, you have a high titer. You know, it's not just one plus, it's five plus. So probably active, but certainly recent. Yeah. So, so a lot of that stuff, but that's, you know, all that is money. And as you said, who pays for it, who develops it, who owns the... Who owns the technology? I mean, this is the U.S., so we're always we're always fighting those battles. You know, probably the U.S. government will develop it, and the companies will get all the money, right? That's the the way we usually do it. So. Man, that but, that's another thing that needs to change. <laughs> well, talk about pharmaceutical, because I believe in capitalism, but a risk and reward. You know, whoever took the risk should get the reward. So. Yeah, I agree, and and. Uh, uh, I, I have no problem with companies piggybacking off of government science and data. I mean, that's what, you know, the Weather Channel or AccuWeather or whatever does with stuff from the National Weather Service. You know, right, like right. I, I don't have a problem with, with them building off of that. But, you know, the National Weather Service's data is paid for by the public and their forecasting and other work is absolutely a, a public benefit. And... Uh, yeah, you know, like like that's why it should be available to everybody for free, and yeah. uh, I, I think I think pharmaceutical research should operate similarly. So, yeah, we do need to to wrap up uh, this episode of civil politics, and God, there is more to talk about, and uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to I'm just going to take a moment to express my sadness. Today is technically supposed to be opening day for the season of Major League Baseball. 
So, <sighs> sigh. Oh, one last thing uh, from our uh, socially distancing producer. Uh, there is a link, which he's putting in the show notes, of uh, COVID-19 mutual aid and advocacy uh, links. Information on you know the science and how to get in touch with people and ideas for things you can do to help other people. Uh, because we are all in this together and it's, it's a tough time. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in close proximity with your loved ones already, give them a hug if you can. And if not, you know, uh, reach out to them, give them a call because sadly life can come at you fast. Anyway, uh, so that's going to do it for civil politics this week, uh, here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back again with more of this next week. And, uh, well, as for the duration. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.